listening to Strangely Enough. This week, it's all lasers and light shows as we dive into alien abductions and UFOs. And with me today, I have, as always, um, Amelia, who Mm -hmm. is going to talk about the Exeter incident today. Natasha, who is going to talk about the Betty and Barney Hill case. And Rachel, who is going to talk about the weird happenings in the northern New Hampshire mountains. So without further ado, I would like to introduce Tosh, who is going to tell us all about our good friends, Betty and Barney. Thank you so much, Sam. (laughs) That's what Um, I'm here for. (laughs) Amazing. So yeah, I mean, Betty and Barney Hill, um, I literally grew up hearing their names uh, because we used to vacation all the time even when I lived in Massachusetts um, up at Indian Head Resort in like Franconia Notch and there was always this little tiny gas station like that was just a little bit away from the resort that would be all decked out in like this alien stuff and like they had this entire mural painted on the side of their building like with an alien on like the highway and like a UFO in the background and you would go inside and they had all newspaper clippings um, about this incident. And of course, being the small child that I was being terrified of aliens, maybe this actually, you know, helped with that. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> like psychologically speaking. I yeah, guess. exactly. <laughs> what do they call that? Um, exposure therapy. <laughs> oh Yeah. <laughs> So here I am trying to buy like my little candy or whatever for the resort. And then I'm like looking at all these articles of uh, Betty and Barney Hill abductions. Um, But yeah, and then in 2011, they actually put a commemorative like historical marker right in front of the resort itself to commemorate like the actual place this uh, alleged abduction occurred. So um, definitely I was always been interested in that. Um, apparently, you know, Betty and Barney Hill, uh, was basically the first documented alien abduction, um, that we have, um, uh, clearly. And it actually was occurring on September 19th, 1961. Um, so a, a, just a little bit about them, uh, that I found out, uh, they both actually lived in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Uh, they were an interracial couple, Um, which was obviously a little bit more rare at the time. Uh, Barney was a a worker of the United States Postal Service and also held a position on the U.S. Commission of Civil Rights. Um, And Betty was actually a social worker. So Betty and Barney Hill uh, go to Niagara Falls for vacation in September of 1961. And they are on their way home. And it is about a four-hour trip, supposedly, from there to Portsmouth. Um, But they were making their way down um, through the White Mountains and everything. Um, And it was around 10, 10.30 p.m., Um, when they actually caught sight of like a bright point of light in the sky. Um, Betty thought it was a, like a shooting star, but it was actually moving upwards, just like really odd movements. Um, they ended up stopping at like a scenic pull-off area. Um, they also had their dog with them, um, which is another reason for the pull-off. Uh, the dog's name was Delcy and it was a cute little hot dog dog. (laughs) 
Delphi. Oh, Delphi. Dachshund. Yeah, Dachshund. Thank you. My sister would be appalled. I couldn't remember the name. No, um, they are hot dog dogs. I love them. Like, that is their official name. Thank you, Sam. Thank you so much. You are so welcome. I have very strong feelings about this. Okay, me too. Um, so perfect. So they're like, you know, they pull over, they let the dog out. Um, apparently they had some binoculars on them from their vacation at Niagara Falls. So they stop and they observe this, uh, you know, thing in the sky through their binoculars. Um, at this point, they were a little bit south of the Twin Mountains, if anyone knows this area. Um, they said it was pretty odd shaped. They kind of argued back and forth about what it could be, um, but they didn't really know. So basically, they continue on uh, their journey. They get back in the car um, and they start uh, going through the Franconia Notch, um, still watching the craft. Um, and at the point where they are approximately one uh, mile south of the Indian Head, uh, mountain um, is where the craft started to descend towards their vehicle. So apparently this uh, unidentified flying object descended towards their vehicle in the middle of the highway and kind of stopped around 80 or 100 feet above them. Uh, Barney did have a pistol in the car and obviously kind of freaking out. He did grab it. Um, they both ended up exiting the vehicle and were trying to, you know, take a look at it with their binoculars. Um, I believe it was Barney who actually ended up claiming that he did see what he described as like a pancake shaped object um, with a bunch of windows in the front. And he did claim to see about eight to 11 humanoid figures. Um, he watched them through the binoculars and apparently like all of them, um, all of them except one ended up moving back away from the windows. Um, so seemingly isolating some sort of leader and, um, Barney experienced some sort of like telepathic communication asking him to stay like where he was. Um, he did describe them later, um, I believe Betty did as well, as wearing kind of black caps and some sort of black uniform. So they were unsure of like what it was at this time. Um, the next thing that they know, they're, they are 35 miles down the road and they lost approximately two hours and their four hour trip turned into seven hours by the time they got back to to Portsmouth um so that was their experience at the time and obviously that's insanely wild <laughs> to even imagine um but then you know I could think that they uh, Betty actually developed started to develop nightmares um, and would have like these very vivid nightmares. She claimed to have them like five days in a row um, as soon as they got back to Portsmouth. And it was basically about what would have occurred after they kind of, you know, quote, lost time uh, during this alleged abduction. Um, they ended up being interviewed at length. Um, you know, they were huge members of the church. Um, Barney started to see like a psychiatrist and things like that. Um, and eventually they decided to pursue hypnosis uh, to figure out if there were some sort of, um, you know, blacked out memories of, of something that might have occurred um, through the process of being put under hypnosis. 
So um, they actually were referred to this doctor, um, Benjamin Simon of Boston. He was um, a very renowned hypnosis uh, doctor at the time. And um, by the time that they actually get to being hypnotized, it was January 4th of 1964. So this is like several years after the abduction itself. Um, and, you know, he, the doctor, um, Dr. Simon didn't really like subscribe to the idea of like alien abductions or whatnot, um, I guess. So he, he agreed that it would be helpful, uh, for both of them to do, uh, especially if Betty was experiencing nightmares and, and Barney was like basically never the same. Um, so he did end up um, putting them under separately so they wouldn't basically hear each other's sessions and, and play off of that. Um, and I mean, from what I read about it, it is very descriptive. And the crazy thing is I did find um, YouTube videos of the recordings of at least one session for both one for Barney and one for Betty. Um, and it's pretty wild to just listen to. Um, basically, Betty's account was similar to the events of her five dreams about uh, the UFO abduction that occurred. Um, but the things they describe are, are kind of wild. So they both end up describing um, being brought onto the ship. Um, Barney was pretty much terrified the whole time, so he had his eyes closed for most of it, apparently. It was kind of like a sleepwalking state, um, as they described it, but um, they were both ended up being put into separate rooms, and the beings, uh, whoever they may be, that uh, were, were there were relatively, like, nice. Like, they weren't mean. They didn't, like, do anything crazy well they did but um they did they weren't they weren't like you know um hostile I guess um so they put Barney in one room they put Betty in the other room they do some weird experiments like mainly weird things just like looking in their mouth like looking in their ears like um counting their her like their vertebrae um there was like a weird part where Barney described like feeling like they put some sort of cup over his genital area, um, but didn't really experience any feeling or anything from that. And um, Betty did say that they like took off her dress, but they couldn't figure out how the zipper worked, like <laughs> random things like that. Like, so it's almost like they were, um, you know, just kind of like not hostile, but there to just like figure out how we lived, how we operated things along those lines. Um, I guess, you know, after the hypnosis sessions, uh, Simon, I guess, speculated that what Barney had managed to recollect was based off of the dreams that Buddy had had um, those, you know, five days after they returned to Portsmouth. But um, he, like, regardless, he, like, wrote about it and whatnot and published it um, to get it out there. And it's just, like, kind of one of those things where it's, like, what actually happened? Um, you know, they, we have the hypnosis sessions and, and things like that, but that's really all we have. And uh, I, I love to hear that it's actually from New Hampshire because um, what a better place, What there's like not a better place to, to get abducted. You have cover of trees, you have all of that in the middle of nowhere, no populations uh, for weird shit to go down. So that's, yeah, that's I, kind of the overview. 
I mean, if you think about it, too, like, as it is right now, northern New Hampshire is not a densely populated area by any means. So Very true. If you think about it, even, like, 10 years ago, 20 years, like, there was probably fucking nobody out there. There literally wasn't. There was nobody out there. It's late at night. You know, it's dark. It's September. Um, So especially up there, too, even to this day, like Route 3 um, is just mainly like trees. And then like there's a gas station. Oh, there might be a small resort or and by resort, I mean, like motel type buildings like a <laughs> <five room> motel. <laughs> yeah i'm not talking like skyscrapers up here in northern new hampshire no, Ugh, no crazy. not the case even in 2020 um it is so wild too like i was up there last fall and driving home like at night was such a trippy experience because it's so like it's already so dark because it's not densely populated but then like when you drive through the mountain range, it gets like even darker because it's just dense forest. The forest coming up yeah, around you. It presses in on you. It's so dark. Forest darkness is like next level. It is. It really is. Oh, sorry, Amelia. Oh no, you're fine. <laughs> it is. I um am terrified now that I've heard the whole story for those two people because Ryan and I are literally going up to North Conway this weekend. <laughs> and if I get abducted I swear to fucking god um I do have some questions though okay yes so he had a gun why the fuck didn't he try to shoot the thing that's like why you carry a gun right that's that's true I mean I guess like he wasn't gonna try to shoot at the craft because I mean, that doesn't seem very smart, (laughs) Um, especially if it's a military craft. Um, But uh, I think that they both technically like lost their consciousness or whatever prior to it, like setting down and the beings coming out is my understanding, but Mm. very good point. Yeah. And it sounds like as far, like I would agree with Tosh and what she said concerning, um, like shooting the craft like I don't know what that would have done but <laughs> I appreciate your gusto I would have been um, wild wild west it would have been like Will Smith was there and oh my god and he's in that movie about aliens wow okay never mind this is great I'm really about to unload some heavy conspiracy theories <laughs> I can feel it um and then from what everything that I read it seemed like once they started to like experience the men coming toward them like on the road that Barney was kind of in like um like a frozen state almost like he couldn't he was like in a trance basically like or something like he just like stopped responding and all of that according to to Betty's recount yeah which is so strange and um the other thing I was thinking too right because the the easiest explanation we always hear with, you know, UFOs and, you know, ship sightings and, and what have you is, oh, the Air Force, oh, military planes, if you even want to call them planes, whatever. Um, but since we were talking about how mountainous it is there, why on 
Earth would the military be flying anything out there? There's such a high risk of crash, like depending on how close you get to like the actual ground that like, I don't think they would risk it. Like there's a reason they do that shit out in the desert. And on September 21st, uh, Betty literally tried to report this whole incident to P's air force base and mm-hmm. oh, they wow. yeah and they basically they i guess they withheld some of their details obviously um they were obviously lacking details as well um but they were just kind of like wrote it off as like oh like insufficient like data on this or whatever um but they did forward it to project blue book oh. uh which was the u.s air force's ufo research project and that's like a whole different topic. <laughs> that comes up in my story too. Cause I, when I read it, I freaked out. I was like, how, okay, hold on. So you guys are telling me aliens aren't real. And yet somehow you have a whole group dedicated to investigating alien sightings. How? Wait, Amelia, did you not know that? No, oh my I God. did not. <laughs> aliens are like the one thing out of the weird universe that I know like zero about. You did say that. Yes. Yeah, so that makes sense. <laughs> but yeah. Oh man. So that's the other thing. Like the military was involved and the air force base was like, mm, probably like misidentified it as a planet, like maybe Jupiter. And then <laughs> literally (laughs) and then uh they were like okay yeah we don't have enough data but we're still gonna forward this over to project blue book yeah because like just in case (laughs) but it's not aliens you didn't see anything (laughs) also i love when the planet jupiter fucking approaches me on a roadway what the fuck and there's (laughs) five of them and they're bright red yeah who knew (laughs) right and float all around. It's so wild. Like, oh, um, the other thing, this is definitely a huge sidebar, but so you, I never went to Indian Head Resort as a child. Um, why do they call it that? Did they, like, is that another name for the old man in the mountain? No, good question. Um, so there's another mountain, uh, that is pretty close to the old man in the mountain, but it's, it's more South than that. Um, it's literally called Indian head and it's another profile looking mountain and it is supposed to look like a native American. And that one did not fall for the Mm. record. I was going to ask the same question, Sam. (laughs) Oh, I'm so glad. I was like, did we straight up fucking whitewash a mountain too? Like every week is, is that, I mean, it it is pretty cool. Um, I (laughs) I literally grew up there and like the resort does have like this uh, huge tower that you can like walk all the way up. I have no idea how tall it is, but it's like super tall and you're like in the bottom of the valley of like all these mountains and then it has a perfect view of the profile. Um, So I always just thought it was, you know, this is where we go on vacation, (laughs) to be honest. Uh, And then I was like, oh, the cool alien gas station. And then I, like, got older and I was like, this is kind of (laughs) real, at least here, you know? Like, there's a historical marker now. It's wild. That is wild. pretty salty that I've never been there and I have lived in New Hampshire my entire life. 
I'll send you the pictures because I was there in 2018 um, and I did take a bunch of pictures of the gas station the inside of it and the historical marker and even inside uh, Indian Head Resort they have like this legit plaque that's like has like the gold like engraved words on it about the incident and has a picture of them that's so cool yeah I'm looking into that and maybe we can post those on our Instagram for your viewing pleasure (laughs) hell yeah do we know what Uh, happened to the hills like when did they die and did they like ever did anyone ever believe them or anything or um yeah there was like a book written about it and everything um barney ended up dying before betty did like betty died in like 2004 or something um barney died like pretty young too from what i saw yeah um trying to remember okay yeah barney was literally died in 1969 so it was not far off and i don't even know if i know about the cause of death to be honest were they old when the sightings happened because in my head based on those names they're like 85 uh yeah uh looks like betty was born in 1919 and barney was born in 1922 so he was younger than her pre-great depression Guys, Barney was only 46 when he died. Like, that... <gasps> That's so is young. really young. Yeah. And I don't know. It's just always been one of those things that is, like, believed enough, but, like, not fully believed. Like, there's still no explanation. Nobody ever figured out, like, what exactly happened or like anything like that but there's like enough details to put a historical marker in 2011 up like i don't know Hmm. i would be curious to see like what reaction people would have if something like that happened today it's so much easier to fake today you know i know that's what would make it hard Mm -hmm. These people had zero visual evidence to bring back with them. I guess, well, that's not true. I guess when they did get back, um, supposedly, like, Betty's dress was, like, ripped, um, like, at the seam because they couldn't figure out the zipper. And uh, there was, like, these, like, marks on the trunk of the car, like, these, like, circular, like, heat marks or some something like that. That's so cool. Also, yeah, like... They were working with binoculars at the time, so I feel like even if they had, <laughs> even at the time if they had like a Polaroid camera or something, they wouldn't have been able to capture it. That's tough. Yeah, exactly. So I, I feel like this day and age, it's like there's so many like falsified videos and everything out there. Just like we probably get lost. <laughs> so true. I'm gullible as fuck when it comes to those deep fake videos, so I know <laughs> if I committed to watching these shits. I would think there were aliens in my house. Well, <laughs> then watch the hypnosis recordings or listen no. to them re- rather with uh, with caution. <laughs> yeah, that scares the hell out of me. Yeah, dude. I mean, I literally, like, listening to them, I, like, just closed my eyes and I feel like as they were, like, describing everything, I could see it, like, perfectly in my brain. I don't know if it's probably just because of all the shit I have consumed about this. <laughs> Too many binge watches of X-Files, what have you. But, oh my god, it was insane. 
Yeah, I was literally surprised to find it on YouTube, to be honest. And I felt like I I heard that about the recording out there before, and I just, like, never took the time to sit down and, and Google it. But, like, after a couple clicks on a couple different videos, I'm like, here they are. So <laughs> I have the links for what's what's up right now, at least. Yeah, and we'll, we'll definitely, um, if we don't end up linking them in the show notes, They'll be on um, Instagram and probably our website as well. Um, oh, I have one more thing to add about like that. Um, apparently, yeah. uh, Betty Hill was like a, an alum of U- UNH, University of New Hampshire. So yes. all yes. of like okay, her crazy. notes, all the tapes, like all the official tapes and all of the other things like in this case are actually in the permanent collection at UNH, which I did not realize because I've been I'm to so UNH so many up. times and I'm like, are you serious? I'm jealous. Yes, so I am neat. so I'm so glad you brought that up because I actually um, had that was one thing that I had noted as I did my research I was like okay we got to talk about that um, awesome. <laughs> and I have the website up to like UNH's website of like where they have all that information so that's another thing we can oh so cool to. yeah so fun well not fun because <laughs> this was probably extremely traumatizing for them what whatever it is they experienced it was bad like, yeah it doesn't not sound like one. Not no. good, but not as bad as it could be, as far as I could figure out. <laughs> yeah. I gotta say, though, I wonder if it was funny for Betty to watch them struggle with a zipper. I also wonder what their fingers are like. Whoa. That, yeah, I didn't get that deep into it. But <laughs> um, there is this book that I did pick up at the uh, gas station in... Uh, around Indian Head and it's called The True Story of the World's First Documented Alien Abduction Captured The Betty and Barney Hill UFO Experience and uh, it's by Stanton T. Friedman and Kathleen Martin I have not read it yet uh, but I have a feeling this is like the golden ticket here. There has been, there have been other books uh, like written about it, especially after the hypnosis cases. But this goes on to talk not only about that, but like the the Blue Book report, uh, Project Blue Book report, and like um, at their life after that and things like that. So yeah. um, I'm excited to read that soon. The aftermath is pretty intense. And thinking about it, I that is particularly why I want to know what Barney's cause of death was because he died so young. He that's died true. so shortly after it happened. Like, yeah, okay, eight years, but that's I mean, for half of that time they were like seeking help about it. I like, just Googled it. Guess how he died? Heart attack. Oh no. Cerebral hemorrhage. No. <gasps> On February 25th, 1969, at age 46. Oh, and Betty Hill ended up dying of cancer, but it was at age 85 in 2004, never having remarried. Oh, my God. They loved him. Oh, my God. The aliens killed Barney. Cerebral hemorrhage? Like, what? I can't believe I didn't look that up. 
until right now. <laughs> I'm kind of glad you found it while we were alive. That's very fun. <laughs> oh, it was, but it's like crazy. I know. I wonder, oh my God, I just want to dig into his medical history now and be like, okay, oh so God. did he have any mental health issues? Did he have any like indication that he was going to die of a cerebral hemorrhage? What's going on with his blood work? Seriously. <laughs> Specifically. <laughs> just um, that. <laughs> well, no, I mean, it. it is interesting to think about because the other thing that I was thinking about in relation to this case is um, Fully Ado, which is The Madness of Two. And it really only happens with people who are, like, extremely close. So, like, husbands and wives, um, spouses in general, like... um, Twins. Really close... What? Twins. Yeah, really close siblings. um, Like, just people who are, like, really, really close. Um... And so I was thinking about how that might correlate with what had happened with Betty and Barney because, like, we all just swooned about, like, it just seemed like they, like, were really made for each other. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's just something I, I've been thinking about, too. No, I definitely, I mean, who knows? I think that's exactly probably what this psychiatrist, uh, Dr. Simon, was thinking, too. Because even after all of it happened, he was like, Yeah, like, still not fully convinced, but, like, there's so many other medical reasons for it, but, like, out of all, everything that, you know, has happened up until now, like, this is a historic case, which I think does give it some credibility. For sure. Yeah, definitely. Side note, we have to visit um, the cemetery in literally Kingston, New Hampshire, because they're both buried there beside each other. Yes. I, I I can't think of anything I want to do more right now. <laughs> Greenwood like, Cemetery. Greenwood Cemetery, Kingston, New Hampshire. Let's fuck off and go there now. Yeah, <laughs> right? fuck the rest of this episode. Let's go check it out. <laughs> I'm sure our listeners would understand. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's really, like, there's so many angles you could look at this from. Like, there's the psychological... Um, aspect there's the military aspect there's the they actually were abducted aspect of it like there's there's so many infinite possibilities but I suppose we'll never know I guess but I mean it's just also so specific like and also where would people like I am so curious as to like who was the first person to be like aliens like where did we even get that from as like as the human race like where did that idea of like aliens coming out of the sky to like observe humans come I mean, from with all this crazy ass technology right do you think That's it has like, anything to do with religion probably it, it certainly could i mean angels otherworldly beings higher power it's all it's all in there. <laughs> um, it's a mush. <laughs> it, it, it is. <laughs> Convoluted, so to speak. But, I mean, uh, even if you think about, like, well, this is going on a tangent. Never mind. <laughs> I was going to talk about, like, <laughs> Egyptians talking about, like, how aliens come down and, like, help them build their pyramids and, like, all those, like, Stonehenge and all of those theories. But that's literally probably a different alien episode. <laughs> 
Yeah, we're definitely going to have more yeah. than one. <laughs> yeah. Crop circles. Um... Oh, yes. So many questions. I totally forgot those were a thing until right now, like from <laughs> when I saw the movie Signs. In Signs when you were 12, yes. Yeah. I love that movie. I remember. Okay, but like, can I tell you guys about how? <laughs> so, when I used to, um, my family went to Canada a lot um, when we were really young because I have family up there. So, we would visit all the time. And when you get into Canada at a certain point, it's all just fields like fields and fields of grass and nothing else. And so they have those big, we always called them marshmallows, like when they wrap the hay. Oh my God, that's the cutest nickname for them I've ever heard. <laughs> so we we always called them marshmallows, but like, so my sister would be like, oh, there's some marshmallows. And I'd be like, oh, marshmallows. But then I'm like, in my brain, like, but where are the crop circles? Are there crop circles in that field? Like, that was always in my brain. I love that. That's amazing. <laughs> I feel like that's yeah. really good foreshadowing for you as an adult. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. That, uh, I've just, I, I was born this way. Okay. Tell him Gaga. Yeah. I, I'm so glad you picked up on the reference. <laughs> Would have been a little awkward if that just sat there. <laughs> we were all just like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. You were, you nice. were born that way. Okay. <laughs> Um, yeah, and I think they're, like, like, Tosh was talking about, like, listening to their, um, their hypnosis tapes, like, you cannot sit there and tell me that something horrible did not happen to these people, like. That's 100% the first thing that you can glean from listening to them, like, the sheer terror, uh, in the beginning, it's like, especially for Barney, too, I feel like, he was, like, oh my god they're coming like just freaking out and Mm -hmm. it was like very I wouldn't I don't I wouldn't say hard to listen to in this day and age but um you know it's just kind of really kind of spooky for lack of a better word it is especially because from everything I read like for a while he was the one kind of like oh like like, kind of resistant to it all, if that makes sense. Like, so for him to be that terrified is, like... Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was, like, come on with these dreams. Like, you're freaking out, like, whatever. And, like, he started to experience, like, who knows? I don't think he ever really talked about it beyond Mm -hmm. the hypnosis. But, like, Betty was, like, way more open about it. Um, with what she remembered in the dreams and through the hypnosis experience as well. Um, Apparently, I guess the other thing to note is that the hypnosis doctor did induce amnesia at the end of their sessions, so they would go back to not remembering it, Um, which is something that I actually found out is is key if you want somebody to not remember their hypnosis sessions recently. That's a thing you can do? Uh, Yeah, apparently. Jesus what that's a real okay that's I'm gonna go off on that tangent another time but I have so many questions (laughs) yeah same I mean I don't know much about it but like that's what I was reading it was like the doctor made sure that they went back to like their amnesia state about the whole 
situation and their session moving forward. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) interesting. I feel like that shit never actually leaves your brain, though. Like, come on. It's in there somewhere. I mean, it certainly was in Betty's. Like, that was the whole part of her dreams and everything. She was, like, telling the beings, like, I'm going to remember this. Apparently they, like, tried – she asked if she could take a book back with her, and they originally said yes, and, like, she was leaving, and she had the book, and then one of them was like, oh, like, we need the book back. Like, it's better off if, like, you don't remember that this occurred, and obviously having the book would help you remember. And she was like, I'm going to remember this no matter what. And she was the one who had, like, reoccurring dreams about it and – basically like said the same thing in more detail about it during her session absolutely wild that i just she's so like i'm trying to think of the right word like so persistent when she's talking about it too in her hypnosis session she's like i'm I'm not going to forget. I am going to remember. Like exactly. <laughs> like very adamant, which is I don't know, it was very interesting to hear. Like like she yeah. was like hell bent like I'm not forgetting and Barney was more just like it's it's just interesting to hear how different they like experienced it I guess I don't know that was very different no it wasn't um but like very different but also still very much the same so I highly recommend here you know to certainly listen to these recordings of their hypnosis sessions if possible (laughs) please do like you you gotta um yeah I mean I think that wraps it up pretty nicely um as far as the hills go I mean like we've alluded to it's a deep dive into the internet. Um, you could be in there for hours. <laughs> just oh, I was. Finding information. <laughs> uh, yeah, so definitely recommend doing more research on that because, like, wow. <laughs> and like um, Tosh pointed out, UNH, um, which is University of New Hampshire, basically one of the three schools New Hampshire kids go to for college. <laughs> <laughs> um very true they um yeah they have the whole collection and I was able to find like an outline of every single artifact and and whatnot that they have and it's it's a lot like it is separated by series and boxes and folders and it like I want to go to UNH immediately and pour through every folder um who graduated from UNH that we know that we can bug to so we can get free access <laughs> I know, right? we'll have to start digging through our contacts <laughs> I know right I can ask art school I, kids I know a couple people nice I went to um the other school that people go to in New Hampshire <laughs> that's not art school fair um yeah I'm sure there's plenty of people like, but yeah, I posted on Facebook right now, like, who went to UNH that could get us access? It would be more than half of my Facebook friends. Yeah, me too, probably. <laughs> oh, goodness. But yeah, this was like 1961. And apparently New Hampshire is like not an uncommon place for sightings. It's a motherfricking hotspot. It Amelia. sure is. 
And let me tell you. So, okay. So Betty and Barney Hill, you said that happened in September, right, Tosh? Yep. Okay. I don't know what the hell it is about September. Okay. That song, Do You Remember, just came into my head. Um, (laughs) Anyway, so the Exeter UFO sighting occurred on September 3rd, 1965, which when I was reading this, I was like, huh. 1965 that sounds like Eiffel 65 which as we know was a band from the 90s that had a song that sounded like aliens and yes like, <laughs> uh okay so it is 2 a.m on September 3rd 1965 in uh, a town called Kensington it's about five miles south of Exeter um a recent high school graduate who uh, was visiting with his girlfriend in Amesbury, Mass. Around 2 a.m., leaves her house and starts hitchhiking home because, you know, the 60s and hitchhiking was okay. Um, he, didn't have a, he didn't have a car, so he would frequently hitch, hitchhike to and from his girlfriend's house in uh, Amesbury, Mass. So he hit Kensington, uh, and as he was walking, he saw five red flashing lights in a field. Um, Initially, he thought, okay, so that's the cops or a fire engine or something like that. Um, But one thing that struck him was how bright the lights were, because they illuminated not only the field that they hovered over, but also the surrounding trees in the area, and the light came through the houses in the area. So I probably would have shit my pants, but um, <laughs> he did something similar. He, he Once he realized <laughs> how big they were, he dove into a ditch. Um, and by his account of what happened, the object with the lights on it was about 80 to 90 feet in diameter, and it moved toward him, so it kind of crossed over the field and moved toward him, which is why he dove into the ditch. Um, While he was in the ditch, he kind of peeked his head up and saw that the light started moving away and actually centered itself hovering over a farmhouse that was owned by a local family, um, the, the Dinings, I think I'm pronouncing that right. But So it started hovering over the house, And uh, once it kind of retreated from him and and stayed put over the house for a minute, uh, Muscarello got out of the ditch and ran toward the house to fucking, I guess, wake people up and be like, hello, we're getting murdered. I help yourself. Uh, No one was home, though. So that's cool. Uh, (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) So uh, when he was pounding on the door, the object actually receded into the woods behind the house. Um, At that point, he noticed headlights from a passing car coming up the road. So he ran into the road and stopped the car. This middle-aged couple agreed to drive him to the Exeter police station so he could report what he saw. So Muscarello got to the police. um, Oh, my God. Police office? I did this the other day. Station. Police department. Station. Police station. Thank you. <laughs> I really, really want to make a comment right now, but I'm going to keep it to myself. <laughs> yeah, it's understandable. Um, but he got there, and the night desk officer, his name is Ro- Reginald Toland, um, he was the one kind of manning the desk for the night. They knew each other because 
it's a small world after all. And Toland had noted in his his report of the events after the fact that he could tell just how visibly shaken Muscarello was. And he, he was a pretty steel-nerved young man, I guess. He was leaving for the Navy in three weeks. And generally, it sounds like he didn't get shaken up easily. So um, the cop seeing him that distraught was concerning. So he ended up uh, radioing the police officer that was kind of out and about on duty, whose name was Eugene Bertrand. Um, Apparently, earlier that same night, Bertrand had passed a distressed woman in her car near where Muscarello says he saw the UFO. Um, He had stopped to help the woman, and she kept saying that there was a huge object with red flashing lights, and it followed her from Epping, which was 12 miles away, before eventually flying away, but she was just insanely upset about it and, like, scared. Um... (laughs) Well, from what I read, Bertrand, the the on-duty cop who reported to the call, considered her a, quote, kook, of course. Uh, but he stayed with her for 15 minutes so she could calm down and get back on the road. Women, and am I right? For real. God. Come on, those kooks. <laughs> well, Dr. Leader descri- described her. What? As a cook? Diagnosed her with hysteria. Oh, God. <laughs> that was a thing? <laughs> Fuckers. Okay, we got to digress again. Sorry, I had to. No, it's good. It's important. It is. Um, so, yes, later that night, Bertrand was still on duty. He got the call from Officer Toland, who, um, so Bertrand swung around to the police station, picked up Muscarello, and was like, all right, we're taking you to where you saw the thing so we can do something about it. So they pulled up to the dining farmhouse, which um, was where the UFO was hovered over before receding into the woods. Uh, event, uh, initially, they saw nothing from the car, but they ended up getting out of the car and started walking towards the woods where the UFO had receded to. And uh, the officer noted in his report that horses in nearby corrals and dogs in the area started causing a ruckus. Um, they started Classic. Kind of- Right? Animals know what's up, dude. They do. Gotta listen. (laughs) So they, um, Bertrand, the officer and Muscarello, the teenager, started walking towards the woods, um, despite the animals' warnings, and they saw an object slowly rise from the trees in the distance, which I I honestly think I would have shit myself like six times over if this was my night. But um, <laughs> it sounds terrifying, right? So Bertrand, the officer, had described the uh, object that was rising as huge, dark, as big as a barn with red flashing lights. It moved toward them and it was swaying to and fro. So this is the other funny part that I read in my research. It said, quote, instinctively remembering his police training, end quote, and then I wrote in my notes, L-O-L-O-L-O-L. He drew his revolver and aimed. <laughs> oh, God. Stop. Yeah. So he drew Full his circle. revolver. Circle. Right. Drew his revolver, aimed, and then decided to instead grab Muscarello and retreat to the patrol car. Um, and then I, 
oh my God, I think I'm so funny when I write notes. I wrote, thank God Muscarello didn't have a car. Imagine how much of a nightmare that would be having to find a place to park all these cars. Oh anyway. my God. Yeah. Uh, so they got to the car. They're, they're freaking out. Now the cop believes them and is like, holy shit. Uh, Bert, Officer Bertram radioed the other officer, a different officer that was on duty in the area, David Hunt. Um, and they waited for him to show up. So according to UFO, UFO historian Jerome Clark, Bertrand and Muscarello observed the object as it hovered 100 feet away at about 100 feet into the sky. The red lights pulsated in rapid sequence from right to left, then left to right, with each cycle taking about two seconds. The object was there when Hunt arrived, which is that secondary cop that um, Bertrand had called in. Um, and when he arrived, the object rose over the trees and completely disappeared. All three of the men drove to the station and filed separate reports with their telling of what, what occurred. So the case actually caught national attention and brought reporters to the area. Yay. Uh, <laughs> Ron Smith, who was a fellow senior at Exeter High School with the teenager, um, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Two to three weeks after the sighting, he was driving with his mom and his aunt, this other teenager, was driving with his mom and his aunt at night and they saw an object with red lights on top and on the bottom and it was white and it glowed slash appeared to be spinning. So lots of calls over the following weeks went into the police station um, with sightings. So it's thought to be that there were probably actual sightings because it's a hotspot, but then there were probably a lot of like faux calls coming in from just like mass hysteria. Um, the Exeter police chief contacted nearby Pease Air Force Base uh, and reported the nice. sightings. <laughs> so Major David Griffin and Lieutenant Alan Brandt of the Air Force uh, showed up to interview Hunt, Bertrand, and Muscarello, so the two cops and the teenager of the initial sighting, and they asked them not to notify the press. But unfortunately, the guys had already spoken to the union leader out of Manchester, <laughs> who brought the, their reporting of the sighting to um, off uh, Project Blue Book, which, as we now know, is the official UFO research group of the Air Force. Yeah. Yes. Busy in the 60s. Um, the union leader also contact, contacted the Pentagon for a statement, and the Pentagon said the men saw, quote, nothing more than stars and planets twinkling, end quote. Wow. <laughs> and then uh, I guess a few weeks after they reported everything to Project Blue Book, um, at the initial report, uh, the two cops and the teenager told the Air Force folk that um, they're pretty sure it was a UFO. And the Air Force folk were like, no, probably not. Um, I don't think we didn't have anything going on in the area that day. So like it wouldn't have even seen that it was probably just stars or whatever. Um, but then several weeks later, project blue book turned around and told the guys that they were runner running quote operation big blast, which is a SAC slash NORAD training. So strategic air command in the North American aerospace defense command training in the area. Um, obviously, the teenager, the two cops, they disagree with the Air Force. Um, 
The cops argued that the sighting took place an hour after Operation Big Blast was supposed to have occurred. And the cops kept writing the Air Force to further support their claims for months, but nothing came of it. And that is the Exeter sighting of 1965, which now, Natasha, I know you mentioned this earlier, um, there is a convention every year, a UFO convention in Exeter. Yes, um, it's called the Exeter UFO Festival. And unfortunately, due to my job, I've always had to work overtime on this particular weekend because it's usually around Labor Day weekend um, every year. Why? Yes, because because Exeter knows. (laughs) Um, But no, I don't know. But honestly, when September rolls around, my eyes are to the skies. I can't lie. For sure. But it's really cool because they actually bring in a bunch of like actually like uh, well-known ufologists and things like that to mainly do lectures. And then, of course, there's like fun stuff for kids and whatnot. Um, But it's it's something I always wanted to go to. And you'll see like um, there's cars in Exeter that probably like people live there and they I've it wasn't even around, maybe it was around it, but it had already passed or it was before it. And like, I saw a car drive by and their license plate was literally UFO. Oh my God. And they had a big blow up alien in their passenger seat. Oh my God. In Exeter. So much weed. I know. I was like, wow, how'd you get that license plate though? (laughs) I'm jealous though. But yeah, that's what I found. I mean, there's, like um, we had been talking about with the Hill story, there's like a bajillion and one rabbit holes you can dig down. So like I started navigating through information about the teenager who claimed the initial sighting. Cause I was like, I just always want to find out what are the rational known explanations that could be plausible and like rule them out for myself. Because yeah, like I said, UFOs and aliens and, space lore it's some of the stuff that i know the least about so i think i'm the least believing of of space lore i love that (laughs) um but i'm curious if you found anything about that because first of all i was like okay so this dude's hitchhiking home at 2 a.m after banging his girlfriend before he has to go to the navy like what was he drinking or whatever you know who knows i agree i agree completely i just it's I can't, so, like, when I was reading it, I kept getting, like, the visuals in my head, uh, Sam, kind of like how you described imagining what was going on when you were listening to the Hill recordings um, of the hypnotherapy. I just can't, can you guys freaking imagine walking on a road, like a country road, and then all of a sudden there's, like, a spaceship, oh my god, my birth control alarm is going off. (laughs) Don't edit that out. Um, (laughs) classic wouldn't dream of it (laughs) so but like seeing a giant fucking disc and having it I just imagine like this big red light coming through houses like red lit houses are scary no matter what the cause so I just oh so scary it's kind of similar to an experience I had I I was not abducted and I didn't see these bright red lights but Disclaimer. Disclaimer, I have not been abducted yet, but, or that I know of, you never know, I guess. That's true. Um, But 
I once was driving down 111 in Hampstead, New Hampshire, which is actually pretty close to the Exeter Epping area. Um, it's pretty much surrounded by like Salem, New Hampshire, Plastow, Kingston. So in the same area as the story that you were just talking about, but I was driving down the road and I, it appeared to be what looked like the biggest moon I have ever seen, but I'm talking like out of this world big, like it was 30 times bigger than the moon that we would normally see here. And it was bright orange and I'm driving down the road with my friend and unfortunately I don't have any pictures, but we could also see the actual moon in the sky. So, you know, maybe it's not a UFO, but that's exactly what I immediately thought because I have no idea what else that could be. It wasn't moving. It was just a massive circular bright orange thing in the sky. And, you know, what else could it be? But when it happened, I remember I had like, I want to say this is probably 2013, 2014. Um, and I like made a status about it. And there was I other remember. People. Oh, you remember this? I do remember this, Rachel. Um, well, I remember like people were like, I saw it too. So who knows? But I was doing research because I was curious to see if I could find pictures of that experience or something that people had. Um, And I don't remember the specific date and I'm not positive on the year. So I have to do more digging, but there's a website. It's newfork.org, which is N-U-F-O-R-C.org. And it's pretty much like the official site. You can go on to report any UFO sightings that you have. So you can filter it by state um, and time and whatnot. So pretty much the, the information that it gives you is the location, the shape, the duration that they saw it. And then there's like a summary date and time and whatnot. So as I was going through there and I'm still digging through because there's a lot, um, it is cool because you can look up the sightings for any state. So I specifically was going through New Hampshire. It hasn't been updated. It doesn't look like since April, but there's more than 700 on there that I've been looking through. Um, but I came across other, stories of sightings and whatnot that reminded me about this experience that my friend had. Um, So I'll share the story in a second that what the experience they had. But the story is that people were claiming that if you went up to like the mountain area of New Hampshire up north, somewhat like where Tasha was talking about Franconia Notch, um, a lot of people go to Mount Washington. It's like a tradition that people have where if you drive up there, in the middle of the night, like 3 a.m., and you put your hazards on and you drive for a few miles or however long you want, that people say that they've done this and then they've seen lights flashing back at them. No. (laughs) Yes. How have I never heard this? Right? So, well, I was reading through these. So we have to do it. Like We have to do it. And we go to the... Indian Head Resort, too, because... Yeah, on the way there. Um, We're going to record it, too, when we do this part. YouTube. With the the flashing. Yes! (laughs) Mm, Ready. Sorry, Rachel, go ahead. So, as I was reading through these stories on this website, 
and I'll send the link to you guys and we can post it when we share the episode. Um, I saw that people were talking about this. So people talk about Mount Washington, Canaan Mountain, the Pac-Manadnock area and stuff like that. And I remembered that I had a friend in college tell me about this. So I reached out to them and it was the same story as everything that I had been reading. And um, they said they drove up to Mount Washington and you can drive up to Mount Washington and spend the night on the mountain as long as you tell the ranger and whatnot that you're doing that and you get the special pass. So they had spent the day up there and then around 3 a.m. they like backtracked a little and then they just kind of were hanging out on the mountain. Um, And if you've ever driven up Mount Washington, it's like kind of scary to be up there at night. I've never been there at night, but I've been there during the day and like it's scary, I guess. Um, I've actually never been, so I'm afraid of heights too. So I can imagine that it's kind of precarious. Yeah, there's like parts of it where you feel like if you turn your wheel even an inch off it like you could just die but (laughs) anyways um so they were just hanging out and they had their their hazards on and they were just driving for uh about three miles she said and they saw lights flash back at them no like lights off in the sky yeah from the sky so and there's no like there was no known towers in the area or anything like that. Or, and even if there was like what would have been strong enough to like pick up that signal and flash back, you know, like it doesn't really, there's no real explanation for it. Um, no, so I, I love that, it. <laughs> right. And as I was reading, you know, a lot of other people have done this. So like, we should definitely try it out. Um, they do say that the summer months are better just because like, it's kind of dangerous to be in that area in general in the winter with all the mountains and the roads and whatnot. Yeah. I can never imagine going there in the winter, even during the day, to be honest. But yeah. <laughs> um, that's so funny because uh, you mentioned like Cannon mountain too. And yeah. uh, the, at one point, I guess the uh, Hill case, the Betty and Barney Hill, they both, uh, as they were kind of going from their rest stop um, at, towards like their eventual abduction site, they did report it like actually just passing right above the restaurant and signal tower on top of Cannon Mountain and oh. eventually come out uh, right by, like right next to the old man in the mountain. Interesting. So, yeah, that shit's flying all up there. Yeah, and I just thought it was interesting that that's, you know, that story took place there. I have a friend who had an experience up there. My experience happened close to the Exeter-Epping area. So I think there's probably hot spots in New Hampshire um, where people do them more often. But based off this website that I'm seeing, like, they are everywhere. I've also looked at several websites like that, too. Um, But the other thing is I I saw one even further north than all of these sightings. It was like up in Errol, New Hampshire, which is basically like the literal tip of New Hampshire before you're going into Canada. And it was probably like, I don't know, four hour drive from Manchester. Um, But we went camping up there back in like 2000. 17 or 18 um 
Yeah. And anyway, we were camping and it was just a clear night. We were right on the edge of a river and um, my wife and I were, we just looked up at the sky and we were just literally chilling and the fire was dying and we were just like, had our heads all the way back just staring at all the stars. And then we both noticed the same thing moving often, often like the left hand side of our, our view. And it was like very, very small, like, but like if you see a satellite cross the sky and as a child, I always thought satellites were very slow moving stars, <laughs> um, not the case, but uh, it was about that small, but the, <laughs> yes, but um, the, the thing about it was that there was also a second one moving at the same exact rate and in tandem with it as if it, they were connected by like uh, a line. So it's like there's one, it's heading in one direction across the sky. The other one is trailing at a very specific length behind it at the same rate. And then we did witness it shift in the sky. At first, it was just going straight in the straight line. And I was just like, well, that's weird. But then it shifted, which is where you could tell the bottom um, light or the one that was behind was shifting as if it was like one long, very long, uh, I don't know, connecting piece, if that makes sense. Uh, probably doesn't. But um, it was just like wild. So we're watching it and, um, we're watching it and we both acknowledge that we're looking at it and we don't know what it is out loud. We both acknowledge we can't take our eyes off of it and we're continuing to watch it as the fire goes out and we're watching it forever. It eventually, um, basically shifts and becomes vertical. So if it was traveling at like a downward, like uh, I guess if it was traveling kind of horizontally, but like down, it like just ended up shifting completely as if it was going to go up and just was like in a vertical state. All of a sudden it started blinking all of these different colors, both of the two Ooh. dots. It was like red, blue, like all of these different colors, like green, uh, yellow. Uh, and it was like looking at a tiny, you know, pinprick of a star, but they're so bright. And then, directly next to it at a angled uh, position were two other dots that literally start blinking back and one would blink, 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 blink. And then the other one would blink a lot. It was literally as if they were blinking in communication. And I definitely was like, we're both witnessing this, correct? And then we stared at this for more than 20 minutes I ended up finding a website like the one Rachel was describing. I can't remember what it was, um, but I reported it because I was like, this is insane. Um, and I could never have a camera or even, you know, a phone that could capture that as like a star activity. But we are both witnessing it. And um, eventually clouds rolled in. And the sky literally was like moving because the earth was turning. It was like 20 to 30 minutes and we had like this beautiful big patch of sky, but we ended up losing sight of it. And then we both had to go to bed and be like, okay. <laughs> and the weird thing was when we were going all the way up there, I was like this, we were seeing all these fields and like farmland up there too. And I was like, 
man, this would be the perfect place for a UFO to show up, wouldn't it? Literally, like, that night. Mm, so spooky. How did you guys go to sleep? Didn't you think you were going to get abducted? No, it was so far away. It was like light years away. If it looked like as bright as a star blinking. So I was like, I'm all right. Mm, that's fair. It wasn't like a close up, like the moon is huge encounter like Rachel had. I do feel like though, knowing Tasha, that she probably wouldn't mind being the one to get abducted if it right. came down. Thank you. <laughs> You're absolutely <laughs> right. <laughs> Goals. But I, did, um, oh, I was going to say, go for first. the record, for UFOs, if you're listening to this, I would mind very much. So if you're ever at a point where you can choose between the four of us, please don't choose me. <laughs> fair. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, that's valid. It's it's gonna it's gotta be Tosh. <laughs> yeah, take well, one um, for the team, guys. <laughs> secretly, like, can't wait. <laughs> Not so secretly. Um, I had this girl in elementary school. Like, this is the way I remember it, but I was also in elementary school, so you know it's been a while. <laughs> but. I like have this vivid memory of this girl in my class coming up to me and being like, I got to tell you something like, you know, like playground secrets, like whispering mm. in my ear about how aliens came to her house and abducted her. And as an adult, oh, I'm very concerned about that. Yeah. <laughs> but that, That's I'm bad. like, wait, there. Yeah. I'm like, I feel like. Ugh. I'm, I gotta pull myself out of that bad place I just went I'm rabbit holing in my brain Yeah, no. Don't however at the time I was like bitch are you kidding me like and I don't think I slept for like weeks after that because I was like they're coming they're co- they came for her oh why are God. they gonna come for me like I was convinced I was next because if I like, heard that story as a child I don't know where I'd be today <laughs> to be honest because that was my fear already <laughs> seriously you would have gone like the extreme opposite I feel like like from embracing it to like being like fuck that I'm out I'm all the way out like yeah probably it fucked me up for a little bit and I was like what like why are you telling me this because <laughs> like, you got that trustworthy face and demeanor Sam oh, a blessing and a curse <laughs> yeah I don't know it was I just like remembered that because obviously that's what we're talking about right now sorry I've got summer camp brain right now <laughs> been out in the sun too long Um, the other thing that I wanted to say about the Exeter incident, right, is like, so how are you going to tell me all these people saw the same thing at different points in different places and you're still going to come at me and tell me that it wasn't a, a, a spaceship? Like, that it wasn't aliens? It was just stars and planets twinkling, Sam. God, uh... <laughs> oh, sorry. 
write me a prescription for whatever cures hysteria. Uh, oh, <laughs> no. Back then it was a vibrator. It literally oh was. God, I think you're right. Back then. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, oh. Melva, I don't know how. I mean, I guess it's like anything, right? Like, like spirits or ghosts or the afterlife. It's like if you haven't had an, an immediate connection to it in some sort of way be it like experience or I don't know being raised with that type of thought I don't think people are quick to believe that UFOs are real so it's probably just that general public denial type of deal yeah I I guess (laughs) but I'm not satisfied (laughs) it's just I feel like it's different though I don't know why but I just feel like it is because it's more sciencey I feel like because it's like we're like little we're stupid little organisms on a big old rock with a lot of water there's probably other organisms on other big old rocks with not as much water (laughs) that's fair (laughs) that's fair but I don't know about them coming here. That's the only thing that, like, I'm sure there's stuff out on other rocks in the vortex that is space. But, like, I don't know that they think like us or look like us or even, like, would remotely behave like us in a way that their brains are developed and would want to learn more about us of all things, you know? I feel like if they were real aliens, they would be, like, go into the deep sea because they can handle, like, lots of pressure because they're from space and be pulling out fucking weird fish and stuff to look at them. We're not that interesting. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, there are deep sea alien theories, so don't get me started. up. Well, I have oh on about that forever. <gasps> I, yeah, I, I went down that deep dive on the internet when I was looking up stuff for, for this episode, and I was like, what the fuck? I have never oh, heard that. Let's not forget that in this past September, the FBI, like, finally acknowledged that there were UFOs that they couldn't explain. And people were just like, oh, whatever. And then, like, all this other crazy stuff happened in the world. And I feel like people just didn't care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. It, they, I mean. They did it. On the scale of things to worry about between coronavirus and breaking down the fucking system yeah for real sticking it to the man man oh <laughs> anyway but yes i did see that didn't read the article because like i said i, I mean when <laughs> but i know right i i really feel like i need to i need to look into that more because yeah. like bitch what yeah I did read it, and they pretty much were like, yes, um, it's a UFO, and but then they were quickly to, like, this causes a flight risk for planes, and that's oh, pretty God. much it. <laughs> yeah, like, protect our dollars, fuck your humans. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Yeah, that's why the military kept it quiet so long. There have been... You know, reports from like Air Force people and whatnot that were like, yeah, this happened, but I literally couldn't say anything. There's this one man in New Hampshire, actually, who is was like speaking about it. Uh, if you just search like New Hampshire Air Force UFO sighting, he'll come up and he's like all over the Internet talking about it. Ooh. I can't remember his name right now. 
Oh, I feel like I read about that too when I was looking at the um, Wikipedia page for the Exeter incident, which I probably don't have up anymore. Good job, Sam. Nope, don't have it. <laughs> but um, regardless, it's like, just to like, top things off, you, I feel like people who are so quick to dismiss the theory of aliens is, it's like, okay, however, I need you to understand that we are on this big spinning planet in the middle of a galaxy that's in the middle of like billions of more galaxies that just go on forever. Like you can't sit there and tell me there's not something out there. Space is so scary. Do you guys ever think like just the way you described that Sam made me think of so many times when I was younger and like, even into high school, if I had too much free time on my hands, because I didn't use the internet much back then, I would just sit there and think about how big space was and, like, get yes. upset and cry. Yes. <laughs> I would think about it, but probably not cry. <laughs> and so yeah, I do relate. I definitely got upset. I was like, oh, my God, I could <laughs> die at any minute. Um. I'm just going to come out and say that I still have those moments. Like the other day I was thinking about climate change and I was like, just fucking sitting there minding my own goddamn business. And then I had a full on panic attack. Like I'm not kidding you. Like it was an actual panic attack because I was like, really what? Like there could be like an implosion of the earth and we would all just be gone. And that would like, and that's it. And I literally like couldn't breathe again Aww. properly for like twenty minutes because I was like so. I was like, "Whoa!" Like you really fucked me up. Oh my god! <laughs> you saying that, I literally just thought my first thought was, "Oh my god!" But I paid so much money for these lamps, everything would be gone. <laughs> <laughs> Those lamps are gone. <laughs> you're like crumbling into the earth, and you're like, "Let me just try and." I mean. Uh, I need like, my tatties. <laughs> Raj is like falling into yep. the earth, and you're like, "I need my lamp. <laughs> <laughs> Give me that throw pillow." <laughs> <laughs> I just bought these. <laughs> oh man! But yeah, I feel like there's just a lot more we can go into, but. I feel yes. like I hope that was digestible because that was still a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know how to ever stop talking about anything because that's all I do with my life, and that's why I'm here. <laughs> Hence the podcast. <laughs> <Doing this> podcast. <laughs> oh man, um, yeah. I mean, that just scratches the the absolute surface of aliens other life forms and really we just focused on new hampshire (laughs) so for real never mind the midwest or any literally anywhere else in the world (laughs) arizona this is literally new hampshire ufo sightings podcast episode right here but (laughs) i feel like this would be a great opportunity if there are any listeners to uh, maybe share their stories with us as well. So maybe send us an email. 
um, or something like that. And especially if it's in New Hampshire or otherwise, uh, we'd love to hear. Yes. Please. Absolutely. Um, yes. You can email us at strangelyenoughpod at gmail.com. That's strangely, S T R A N G E L Y, enough pod, P O D. It's going to be in the show notes. <laughs>